that idea of the dent you're trying to make in the world is a story. This, the actual story of this brand and this business or this nonprofit is a storyline. The content you think about for your website or your brochure or your email, those are stories. They should be story formats. The, the podcast you're running, the blog post you're producing, the social media post, all those should be stories in support of this larger thing. And really all marketing is, if you've, if you've coming at it from a place of purpose and you're coming at it from a place of authenticity, then your whole communications program looks like lots of little storytelling. And it's a beautiful thing. Welcome to the Invest Local podcast, where we uncover the brilliance of local businesses that are slugging it out, serving their customers and giving back to their own communities. Check us out at vicinitycapital.com and give us a follow on social media. We'd love to hear from you. Also, we are not making any investment recommendations, nor are we providing any sort of investment advice. Now on with the show. Well, welcome folks to the Invest Local Podcast. I'm your host, Malcolm McDonald, and joining me today is Robert with Blue Ion. Uh, really excited to talk community branding, uh, small business brand development, and uh, and just your story, Robert, of building Blue Ion and how it came to be. So appreciate you jumping on the podcast with me today. No, man, don't mention it. And thanks for having me. Well, there's kind of two sections that I really want to tackle today, which is one is kind of your story with Blue Ion, really cool design and marketing branding firm that y'all have. Uh, but then also you, you have a really interesting perspective on community brand building for small businesses, which is obviously our target startups and small businesses and some really, I think, interesting insight into how you've done that for your client. So, you know, part of that is, you know, you and the, and the company that you've built as a small business yourself, but then also how you've helped other small businesses within the community think about their brands, create their brands, tell their stories. So really kind of two distinct uh, pieces there. But but we'll start with the, with the Blue Ion story. You know, take me back to the beginning. I would love to hear why you launched your firm in the first place and, and kind of what was the goal with the company when you launched? Yeah, yeah, man. Um, and it's funny, these two topics we'll talk about just inform each other as well. So, you know, our, our whole story and, and, and really everything we've done in the 20 years that we've existed all comes back in some shape or form to the premise that we, the three of us all moved to Charleston for the same reason. And that was for a quality of life issue. You know, we had been other places in our lives where we grew up or where we worked and we love those places and those are all part of who we are. But we consciously each made an independent decision to show up in Charleston because of the life that we wanted to live there. Wow. Um, and so I think that's pretty fundamental to who to who we are as individuals and to who we are as the company that we've created and probably even uh, who we are to the partners that we work with as clients. So I was a strategist from the advertising world. Uh, one partner was an interactive designer from the design world. And then the third partner was a, was a technologist and a programmer coming out of the technology world. And those three disciplines, strategy, creative, and technology, were sort of obviously woven together. And they're so fundamental yeah. to what we wanted to accomplish and the work that we do for people. And 20 years later, it's still really the three elements of the company that, you know, that we're part of to this day. And as we've slowly built over 20 years, we've really just built in those three buckets, so to speak. And awesome. the second piece of that story is just that in doing this, because we were moving here for a quality of life and a lifestyle, we didn't want to create a company that destroyed that quality of life for us. And so right there, we started making a lot of conscious and unconscious decisions about what we wanted to do, how we wanted to do it, how much of it we wanted to do. 
so that we didn't uh, disrupt the quality of life that we moved for in the first place. Yeah, no, I think that's really interesting. So, you know, in doing that, it's it's really easy to to start with a purpose. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna move somewhere and start a business that, so I can have a better quality of life. Oh, but I started a business, so now I'm gonna do this 24 <laughs> hours a day. Um, right so it, it's I think that's kind of the entrepreneurial struggle. As you know, yes. for, for anybody though, is you pursue something you really love, you're really passionate about. Um, ultimately, you know, in some sense, because it makes you happy and it brings you joy, and and you find purpose in it, and and then you turn around and it's hard not to get totally sucked in and kind of, you know, eaten alive by your purpose there. So my question out of that is then, then how do you, how do you find that balance? What did you do to create a, a, a great workplace in a place that you love? Yeah. So I, I think it was um, both keeping in mind that basic point that we wanted to live in, a, in an incredible community, have access to the outdoors culture, you know, this sort of big city that Charleston is wrapped up in a pretty small package, you know. So it was very conscious to say, let's embrace that. That's why we're here. And let's not let anything tear that apart. And then the second part of that, and I think this is hopefully something we're all working on, is be passionate about what you are doing so that the time and effort and investment that it does take is one that doesn't feel like drudgery, you know, (laughs) one that doesn't feel like pain and anguish, you know? And I think we've been pretty good about saying there's a certain kind of work that we want to do that brings us joy, that fulfills us, that creates uh, opportunities and success. And if we can kind of keep our eyes focused on that prize, then we will do great work and we will have a great work life at the same time. And those, those are two of the three founding sort of principles of Blue Ion that we still stick to today. One is, is to, to invest everything that we can into doing great work as a team. Two, while we're doing that, create a better workplace so that we don't blow up our lives, you know, and stress each other out and all that. And then third be a positive force and impact in the community that we work and live in. Whatever those communities are, let's be a force for positive impact and positive change in those. And those three elements kind of swirling around, I think, allow us to try to continually sharpen our abilities, but do that in a balanced way that doesn't take over our lives, if that makes sense. No, that does. And I think, obviously, I mean, you're, you're preaching to the choir when you talk about letting community shape the way that you build your business. Uh, what are some of the practical things that you did going into it? You said, hey, we're going we're gonna to be community oriented. We're going to be, if you want to use a, a buzzword, work-life balance oriented. We're going to enjoy our lives and, and enjoy our work and, and have these two interwoven. But on the community side specifically, how did that focus and desire to to enhance and be a part of your community, how did that sure. actually shape the day-to-day and the, the way you built the firm? Yeah, yeah, that's that's a very cool question. I appreciate your asking that. So um, it's, you know, it started uh, first, and I, this is the same thing that probably drives you, is it starts with a general interest and concern for your local community, whether that's Birmingham, Charleston, Greenville, or wherever anyone is, you know. It's just some people have that interest and that desire to want to be part of it, to uh, contribute to it, you know, and, and grow as a result of it. So it starts there. The three of us, each in our own ways, appreciated and wanted to be part of community and to be part of changing it for the better. So that's there. And then at the same time, it just sort of happened to be that some of the first projects and client partners we got involved with were all about community. You know, we're all about the local community that we were now living in and working in. Um, two, I, I think our two oldest client partners, the Charleston Convention and Visitors Bureau, 
and the Charleston Regional Development Alliance. One oversees all the efforts related to tourism in the region, and the other oversees all the efforts related to economic development in the region. You can't get more woven into community than those two platforms and those yeah. two you know, organizations. So those were among our very, very first projects and clients, and we still work with them today, 20 years later. And so you get so woven in to thinking about all the aspects of community, the dynamics, the, the, you know, how to make it better, the dysfunctions of it. And, and it's been actually, when you step back and look at it, an amazing 20 year journey to not only celebrate what we've accomplished as a company, but to be a small part of seeing what Charleston has accomplished as a community. Yeah. Um, and, and so we, we, we came into it wanting that, but fortunately we were presented the opportunity to really like roll our sleeves up and quote unquote work on it. And I think that basically from the start set us down that path. Yeah. And, and, and that would be a recommendation to anybody who's looking to invest themselves into the community is a have that heart, but also look for those opportunities to plug into projects that actually allow you to practice that and pursue it. Yeah. That's uh, so good. I think the buy-in really is so critical there. And, and it's it's impossible to have buy-in without immersing yourself in some aspect. I mean, you don't have to serve on, you know, 20 boards or, or be involved in 10 different projects. It, sometimes it's just one or, or, you know, in your case, two. But actually rolling up your sleeves and doing the work and, and getting involved, there's just such a difference there between saying, you know, oh, I love my city, I love my town, I love my community. And I love it because if I don't make this work, then, you know, I'm going to, yes. my name's on it, you know, yes, I'm, I'm actually yes. putting myself in it. And so that buy-in there, I mean, that's what, that's what we see with, and, and what I'm so passionate about with vicinity is seeing like this emerging between, I like it, I love it, I support it, you know, fanfare and kind of the rolling up my sleeves and say, I actually own a piece of this. This is, yes, it's just yes. a different level of buy-in when, when you take ownership of it and you put your name on it. Yeah, it's a sense. It's definitely, it's a commitment. It's exciting. It's an opportunity. It's also a little bit nerve wracking. Like you said, it's like, oh my God, we got to get this right. There's a responsibility to not drop the ball. You know? Exactly. And, yeah. uh, and that kind of then rolled into a lot of our work has been with nonprofits over our 20 years. And so those get, you know, into the realms of the arts and culture and conservation and preservation and health and wellness, you know, and those nonprofits are fundamental to the shape and the success of a community going forward. And, you know, and it's the same thing there. It's like, wow, we've got to get this stuff right because it's sort of bedrock for the, the possibilities of this community to grow in a healthier, more equitable way over time. And yeah. um, we're a part of that. And that's, that's like, it's, to be in advertising and to be able to, to apply your experience and your skills in that kind of role with that kind of impact, I think is the most rewarding thing you can do, you know, yeah. um, in our field. And so we're very thankful about that opportunity over our time. That is really cool. I mean, anytime you can leverage your your skill set, your resources to make the change that you want to see. I mean, it's a, is it the Gandhi line? You know, be the change yeah. you, you wish to see in the world. I mean, it's so simple, but it it's so true. You know, go back to ownership. Whenever you take ownership and you and you become part of the change you want to see, yeah, it's incredibly empowering. And and I think I think 
a lot of people, both individuals and companies alike, rob themselves of that joy and that excitement by by not putting themselves out there. I mean, I mean, correct me yeah. if I'm wrong, but you probably didn't get paid the same from the nonprofit as you did from you know maybe some of your high rolling clients. It's it's sometimes it's 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 more work for for less pay, or it's more involvement, or it's, there's more emotional attachment. It's not always the same as a pure business decision. Yes. Um, yes. But and so a, a lot of people just you know I don't want to go after the, the double bottom line. I don't want to get involved in something that, you know, I'm going to have an emotional tie to, or, you know, I'm going to see out in the community. Um, and, and I think it, it ends up robbing people of, of the yes. excitement and the joy that can come from something that, you know, no, maybe you didn't get paid the same amount or, or maybe a few more of your friends saw it than you wanted to. But at the yeah. end of the day, you get, you got to create something within your community that made a change, um, you know, where you live. Malcolm, you're dead on, you're dead on, on that. And it's sort of, um, and I do even think that there's a, a strategic, rational business decision that supports it as well, is that even if maybe this project, you know, you are going to charge less than you, than you might a fat cat corporate client, um, <laughs> the work you're going to do can bring you greater joy, can make you happier. In theory, then you're going to do better work that's going to attract better people to come work with you, that's going to attract better projects. So if you take the long run look at it, it actually is pretty sensible, you know? And we've always believed like you're only as good as the work you've done when you're in a design firm like ours, you know? And so all you can do is show the work you've done and that work is going to determine the next work you get. So if you're doing work that you're not excited about, maybe you're making a lot of money off of it. That's cool. And that's going to make a lot of people happy, but we would rather say, let's do the work that we're excited about for all the reasons we started talking about today. And then that starts to get on rails and build on itself, you know, and you're just sort of like feeding the beast at that point. And um, so I, we look at it from a very long-term perspective. I don't know what else we would have done with our lives if we weren't doing Blue Ion. We probably would have done absolutely nothing. This has never been sort of like, let's get rich and check out of this thing quickly. Um, And it's just been like, let's methodically try to do better and better each year because we don't really want to do anything else. Yeah. Well, and just the idea that you're constantly building your resume, you're constantly building your record, your, your, your own brand, you know, at the end of the day, the brands that you create, which is, is such a a kind of a beautiful cycle is that, you know, Blue Ion's brand is the brands that they've created for other companies. And it's like, y'all are, you know, who you are because of the the work you did or didn't do, or the energy that you inputted or didn't input into whatever it is that you worked on. So I love that. Um, Yeah. It's like the ultimate accountability as a, as a firm. It is, it is. It is. You just described it really, really well. And I've never really articulated it as well as you just did, but it is, it's sort of, it builds on itself if you get that going the right direction. Yeah, you know? absolutely. That's so cool. Well, so, so rewind for a second, take me back to the, the original team. You know, you mentioned a couple partners. Um, mm-hmm. What did the team start at and how has it grown and kind of where are you at now? Started the three of us uh, in a little room closet on uh, on the upstairs of an old bank in, in Charleston on King Street. Um, and then our first employee was a producer who helped us, like, you know, get a lot of the projects done that we were doing, these web builds. We started out basically just building websites, you know, and this was... 2000, it was uh, right at the first big uh, tech bubble burst, which was sort of an insane time to start a tech company. But in some ways, it's probably the best time to start something because you, you got to be lean and mean and really think through it. And we've, we're now at 22 people 20 years later. So it's not been fast growth. And that's, again, a little bit largely by design, been pretty methodical. 
And we have basically built out around those three core skill sets that I talked about, strategy, creative, and uh, technology. And so it's just gotten bigger. Um, one thing that's interesting about the web design, development, and management uh, services is that you build things and they don't go away. You know, you, you, you develop a site for someone, we help them grow that site over time, we host that site, we eventually build another site to replace that site. That leads to 20-year relationships, you know? Right. So by some default, you've got to be willing to grow to be able to continue to work with and serve those clients that you're helping reach their goals. So yeah. uh, we've just basically filled out to 22 by adding uh, awesome team members in those, in those buckets. And the interesting thing from my perspective today where we are is um, – is we opened up the office in Greenville a couple of years ago. So we've got uh, uh, 14 members up there, but it's right now it's a transition for us as the three original partners continue to relinquish more and more direction, control, leadership and all that to the rest of the team. And it's like, we're becoming coaches and, and supporters, you know, in the right moments. And it's just, there's nothing more rewarding and awesome to see uh, amazing people take the ball and run and all these different cool aspects of the work that we're doing. And from my, from where I sit, that's a really fascinating and exciting journey that we're on right now. Yeah. No, that is always tough when, when you go from IC to manager where it's, you're, you're in there doing all the work and you're, you're the individual contributor. And then suddenly you've got to kind of offload this and say, all right, here's my baby. You know, <laughs> you, you, yeah. you do the next one. Um, it's, it's a fun place to be, but it's also really scary. Yeah. A lot of organizations for profit and nonprofit have a really hard time making that transition from sort of founders, the founding owners or whatever, being ready and able to step back a little bit and relinquish that control. Um, personally, I think the only way, you know, that a, that a blue ion or, or the like exists for the next 10 years is by doing that. We've done that several times already. And we're in the midst of that kind of cycle again right now, which is pretty yeah. cool. And you see that in all the businesses that you work with, you know, yeah. they're in different, different stages of going through that same kind of cycle. No, it is interesting. It's not a one-time thing. Oh, that's an interesting call yeah. out. Because yeah, it, yeah, once you're, you know, you bring on that team and then once they grow and develop, then there's another set of people that comes in, you know, to yeah. support them and continue to grow. It is, a, again, another cyclical thing that happens, you know, throughout business. Yeah. That's interesting. So you so almost have to teach the people. about cycles. Right, it is. <laughs> you have to teach, yeah. um, you know, as you let go, it's, it's almost like, hey, now remember, I'm letting go and letting you do this. You're going to have to do this again in, you know, in a year or five years or, or whatever it is. So now that's yep, interesting. Yep, exactly. Um, now I know we've talked about, and, and you mentioned it briefly that, you know, you come from an advertising background and, and you've done kind of the big corporate thing. So when, when you started uh, Blue Ion, you know, with that kind of background, what did you feel like was missing? You've talked about wanting to do things differently. Could you yeah. pinpoint one specific thing that was different or was it just a, a kind of a whole philosophy? There were a couple uh, in general, but it all kind of trickles back to one thing. So yeah, I love working in the advertising industry and I felt like it, you know, I was lucky to find it relatively early after coming out of grad school that I sort of stumbled into a great job with a great agency in Austin, Texas. And I just like, wow, this feels like where I was meant to be. You know, it was a good combination of me being a history major and having an MBA and being interested in the art, artistic side of business was like, this was the right field for me. But I also found that through my early years in advertising, I, I kind of kept burning out to some degree. And I felt like it was a rat race, uh, both the pace of it, the pressure of it, 
And I just sort of fundamentally had some issues with the with advertising being a little bit disingenuine and, and being a sort of an interruptive force in our lives. And what I mean by disingenuine, I felt like everybody was chasing, pursuing something that this, you know, this customer wanted, you know, and everyone was chasing the same thing. So every brand and every category was saying the same thing, you know, maybe just executing it best a little bit differently. And I just couldn't get motivated and excited about that on an ongoing basis. And I went to a conference, an ad strategy conference once, and they were all bemoaning the same journey to find the universal truth of things. And this one guy stood up and said, I think it's a bunch of BS, you know, like we look for interesting, quirky, fascinating clients and look inward and celebrate their, their difference, you know, and we find that to be more rewarding, more honest, more authentic, and more successful over time. And I just listened to this guy and it was like, boom, that is like, that's what I was looking for. And I, I fundamentally made sense to me and it spoke to my heart. And so that began a journey by which we sort of shifted and said, look, we're ultimately here to help people reveal things about themselves. We're not here. You don't call Blue Ion to sort of parachute in and make up some stuff for you to help your business grow because that's not going to work. It's going to be, it's going to be fake and people are going to call it out and you're not going to be able to run with it. But if we come together and dig deep and really understand what are you trying to do as a for-profit or as a non-profit or even a place then let's bring that to life and, and articulate that and express that in a way that we can build a community around it because they share the, that, same, that same deep purpose and, and sense of belief. Yeah. So that was the fundamental sort of shift for us as Blue Eye. And that's what we said, like, that's the kind of work that we want to do. Yes, we were a digital firm building websites and then doing web services and then just doing holistic marketing and branding. But it was always with that notion of we're here to help people reveal the better sense of themselves, you know, and that's made this work super bearable and it's actually made it super, super rewarding. And so some of the projects that we get involved with are really, really fun and just powerful because we feel like we've helped someone finally articulate and express what it is they set out to do in the first place. I love that. Yeah, um, that's a cool thing to be part of, whether that's you do that with an individual as a coach or a therapist, you know, or you get to do that on a paid basis as a, you know, as a, as a marketing and design firm. Yeah. And it's such a paradigm shift saying, I'm, I'm going to create a brand for you versus I'm going to mm-hmm. help reveal the brand that already exists. Yes. I think, think yes. that's so, that's so much more powerful. And, you know, you said it, the authenticity is one of the biggest things is, you know, I, I think consumers, and maybe it's just because we've had advertising beaten into us over the years, but <laughs> you can spot it. It's like, I know oh, what you're, t- what you want me to believe just by watching your commercial. I know the value that you think I have, and you're trying yes. to, you're trying to, yeah. to speak to that rather yeah. than just telling me something about you, you know, what is yes. it that you do that's really cool and is really different. And instead of trying to paint yourself as something that you think I want, to buy. <laughs> hey, like, hey, I know you. I mean, the telltale symbols when you ever hear in, in an ad, you hear like, we at so-and-so know that you, and I'm like, no, 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 no. You don't know anything about me, you know? And so I always find that as like, you're right. There are all these telltale symbols that they're like trying to be something to try to win me over. And it's like, I'll shut that down in a heartbeat. And I think right. many people do. You know? Well, and you don't have to. You don't have to try to be authentic when the brand and the story is is being revealed and uncovered because it is. Yes. It's it's yes. the real thing. You know, and what companies 
aren't comfortable with is saying like, hey, I might not appeal to everyone and that's okay. You know, like this Bingo. story that's, that's, you know, original and unique, um, you know, it may only ab- appeal to, you know, a, a small number of people and, and, and that's okay, you know. Yes, um, but there's a, there is a business or a nonprofit can exist off of that smaller group that is committed to those same values and that same purpose, you know, right. and that's fine. And, and, and not having to take, you know, a much shallower path with a wider group of people, you know, right. You're absolutely right. And, and I, and I, you know, and, and another key to that is, is that, well, then you better hope that you get introduced to clients who have that deeper gear or at least want to express it and find it and then share it. Someone might come in and said, I think this is this all sounds silly and I'm just trying to make as much money as I can in the next two years and get out of this racket, you know, yeah. and that's fair. I don't I mean, and that's that's their prerogative to go pursue that. That's not the right fit for us, you know, and and we're pretty clear about people up front to say, like, we believe in this kind of marketing and this kind of design. And if you're on, want to go on that same journey, then we could be a potentially a great fit. And so you've got to find those entrepreneurs, those business owners, those nonprofit directors who are trying to sort of conjure that up and, and stand for something larger than just making a sell. You know? Yeah. So can, can you tell me about one or two clients that you've had that you felt really, that you were proud of, again, not the brand that you created, but the one that you were able to uncover that, you know, had a really cool story that, you know, that you were able to, to help them tell? Yeah. I'm going to, um, I'll give you like, just, I won't belabor each of them, but I'll give three real quick ones. And they actually are all coming out of the, um, out of the nonprofit world. It's because I think nonprofits to some degree have that, obviously that sense of mission and purpose, uh, and cause baked into it, you know? And then it's just like, how can they perform better? I think what's exciting about the realm of B Corps and, you know, company, I'm a big fan of Patagonia and those sorts of companies that they bring sort of that nonprofit cause into a for-profit container and operate almost on the same level. Like it's hard to tell whether a, a, a Patagonia is a nonprofit, you know, or a for-profit because it's just so driven ultimately by its cause and its community impact. But the kind of way this process plays out and it is exciting to be part of is like, I'll give you an example the low country land trust is a, is a wonderful land trust and conservation organization in uh, along the South Carolina coast. And they were going through a transformation in the type of work that they were doing, which was less like, we're going to save this little piece of land and more like we need to think about the larger systems at work to protect this environment for generations to come. And we got to then go help them develop their new sense of brand and story and and materials and all that. And what we found through research is that it was ultimately about relationships and trust. That's the most important thing at work here. People were willing to protect their land in perpetuity because of the trust that they had developed that the land trust was going to help you do it the right way. Mm. So we, we, we boiled all that down, revealing something that was where trust lives, life flourishes. You know, where that trust lives between us, between us and nature, um, then everything works. Community works, conservation works, even economies work, you know, when when it's all rooted around trust and trust happened to be in their name. So if you're able to articulate that down all the way down to a sentence like where trust lives, life flourishes, then you can go to work saying, well, what does that look like? And the designer, our design team created this beautiful logo that is an acorn made out of two hands. And so that's basically a visual representation of trust and flourish, you know, all in one symbol. And then from there, you're building on then 
you know, deeper copy and materials and, and outreach and communication and all that. So everything sort of pivoted on this one premise of understanding what's the most powerful thing that they do is, is relationships and trust, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and it's, it's a fun journey because it looks like an hourglass. You start with all these inputs and it all boils down to that one point and then, and then it goes back out as wide as it can be. And a second one is the work we did for the Gibbs Museum in Charleston, which again is sort of a fundamental organization in, in the arts and culture experience of, of the Charleston region. They closed up for two years and did this amazing renovation of the museum. And we had the chance to help them sort of reimagine the story and the premise of what this museum was. And when it was coming back to open, it wasn't just a nicer box to hang artwork in. We ultimately all discussed and decided that this is really about the role of art in our lives and the role of art in the history of Charleston and it's good times and it's horrific times. Art has allowed this place to persevere, you know? Mm. And so we came out of this process by revealing something that was much more powerful than just a shiny new box of a museum. It was a larger, what is the role of art in our lives? And then that played out in a story that played out in design that played out into materials and marketing and all that. And the brand is sort of on its way. And, yeah. in, and those weren't things that we came up with for them. Those are things that we just asked enough questions to get really annoying so that they gave us the answer that we could run with. You know? Yeah. Well, I love that, that it, it all comes down to the research that you did, which is just a fancy way of saying what you just said. You asked a lot of questions and got, yeah, it's you know, awesome. got, that's all got, it is. Asking got down of questions to, and listening. Yeah. yeah. You, and, and then eventually you get down to what really matters and what makes a company or a, a movement or a brand what it is. Place. It could be anything. You're yeah. right. And, I, you yeah. know, I, we're, we're mad about questions. I can get super annoying like a 10-year-old, you know, but it's just like you ask someone why five times in a row and you're going to get to something. You're either going to really piss them off or you're going to get to something really deep and maybe yeah. both. You know, um, <laughs> probably, both. And, and probably both. And then that's where you get to the good stuff, you know, um, right. and, and then you can kind of unlock from there. And so that's just one that's we always ask ourselves that as we've been kind of going through our 20 year journey. But that sort of like inquisitive nature is what we kind of get into with all of our clients. And fortunately, they're willing to go there. And that usually plays plays itself out. And that's the first thing I would tell someone, you know, either starting a business or growing a business or trying to literally fundamentally change a business is that that deep dive of exploration, discovery and questioning is the ticket to, to, to your next step, you know? Yeah. No, that's awesome. I love the, the five whys too. Um, it's such a powerful way oh, to, yeah. to get to the, the, <laughs> the meat of, of, of why, <laughs> but, yes, um, but it's, exactly. it is, it's such a, it is a really powerful technique. That's, I love that y'all yeah. use that. So last question on blue ion is about Outpost. So, you know, you, you mentioned Outpost and it, it's on y'all's website, but it's kind of a, a little inception thing where you've got a company within a company there. Can you tell me a little bit about uh, Outpost, what it does yeah. and, and why it's there? Yeah, it, it, you know, it sort of plays into this kind of whole story that we're talking about. Um, so most of us and certainly several of us are just super passionate about the outdoors, you know, and, and that's both being active outdoors, but also the conservation side of, you know, outdoors. And again, that came from sort of our own personal lives, but also working with some of these amazing clients like the Coastal Conservation League and Charleston Waterkeeper and Land Trust and others. I mean, they've taught us so much. So we were like, well, what if we could put 
all of our skills and our experience to play in working for brands that get people outdoors, either actively or bird, you know, birding or whatever, gardening or whatever. And that was first and foremost, really selfish interest. It's like, that's what we really want to be doing with our lives. So can we just kind of make our work about that? And many people have done it. There's other firms out there that have been doing that for years. And so it's, you could do it. We just never really had gotten our brains wrapped around pursuing that. But then eventually we did. And that's how Outpost hatched was just like a team uh, at Blue Ion who was very, very invested in the outdoors, who wanted to go do more work for brands in the outdoors. And it turns out, it's kind of what you and I have been talking about, is like you, you put those values on the table that we believe that we all need to be reconnected to the outdoors and need more time outdoors, that it's a fundamental need in our lives that would actually solve a whole lot of issues around us. So can we stand for that? And, and partner with other brands who stand for that and hopefully do some good. And when you, when you take that story out into the world, we found that immediately the people who are at a for-profit or non-profit related to the outdoor world are immediately like, that's awesome. We share the same values. Let's, let's work together and we do something. So it's another example of what you kind of said earlier. It's like by narrowing our focus down, we became more relevant to a tighter more like-minded, you know, shared value type of partners and clients, you know? Yeah. And so success came, success for Outpost has, be, has come from actually narrowing down our focus, which has been an interesting little exercise, you know? Yeah. And it's just been fun because we're doing a bunch of really fun projects with outdoor brands, which is really why the whole thing started. Yeah. Right. Uh, that's so cool. I, I love that. And I want to get into that a little bit more um, in, in a minute, but, but yeah, finding finding your people gets a whole lot easier uh, when you define who your people are. Um, and yeah. so um, being able to, yeah. It, it, and it's so counterintuitive, right? It's like, I want to, I want to, you know, get as many clients as possible. I want everybody. You know, right. Why would yeah. I, why would I narrow my focus? But then as soon as you, you narrow your focus, your who, who really is a good customer and, and a good client um, is, it comes into focus a whole lot faster. There was a, um, I, I think I saw this, maybe I saw it out on a, on a billboard once or I saw it in a book about advertising, but it, 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 Scion, that car company, just, I don't even know it exists anymore, but you know, it was such a bizarre looking car when it came out and their whole way of marketing and everything. And they had run some ad that said so wrong for so many. And it was just a picture of the car. And I was like, that's brilliant. You know, it's like, Love they, it. yeah. they doubled down on that bet to say like, let's market ourselves based upon who we're not for, you know? Right. <laughs> uh, and it was, I thought that was a really, you know, maybe you could argue it didn't pay out for them. I don't know the dynamics of Scion and, and the auto industry enough, but I, it's like you said earlier, it's counterintuitive, but it's insanely powerful. The more you focus, the more opportunity actually you might be presented with. Yeah. No, I love that. Um, and you know, from the sales side, it, the less unqualified people that don't want to work with you, you're going to talk to, which is just more fun for anybody. I mean, that's the, that's the crappy yeah. part about sales and marketing is trying to sift through all the people that don't really want what you're selling. Um, so if you can, I mean, you get the qualified, um, people, the people that are actually interested, then yeah, sales and marketing just gets a whole lot more fun just in general. Dude, Malcolm, you are, that is a fundamental truth. And it's something I, really only came to learn in the last like five to 10 years of my, of my career. And because I kind of defaulted into new business and sales mode, you know, cause that's kind of who I was as a strategist. And that was the first kind of conversation. 
but I am not that person in any shape or form. I'm miserable at it. And it, it actually kind of makes me miserable, the thought of having to sell, you know, mm. and um, I'm an introvert um, by, you know, my need to get energy from sort of time away. So it would drain my battery overnight, you know, being in that kind yeah. of mode. And so the only way I got comfortable was that was by saying, like, we need to sharpen our focus. And as Blue Ion only stand for working in a certain kind of way with us, you know, to reveal brands for what they are. And that all of a sudden made it feel like, hey, it wasn't selling anymore. You know, like I'm actually pursuing a cause. And so it didn't feel like selling at all. And it wound up being a whole lot more effective because the people who shared that same perspective were drawn into you rather than you having to go run around and cold call and chase everybody down, you know? So it was a, just as you said, that was, it's a, it's a super valuable lesson in there about attracting the right kinds of potential partners and clients versus having to go and pound the pavement, so to speak, you know? And there you have it. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the invest local podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider leaving a review and feel free to follow us on any of our social media platforms. And don't forget to tune in next week for more local stories.